0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word For more information and free downloads please visit www.thepastormax.ng. What's up Praise God Okay, so um, let's get into the Word We want to Start a new series this month On the subject of giving And um, the way we want to approach it Is approaching it by Expository study or contextual study Of the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 Praise the name of the Lord Alright, let's, let's pray Let's get into the word Father, thank you because I'm annoyed to teach Thank you because your people are anointed to receive And together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word In Jesus' mighty name we pray Now let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 8 Second Corinthians chapter 8 And we are going to read from verse 1 Uh, I'm thinking we'll stop in verse 6 today But what we're looking at Is the subject of giving Now this month We're going to be dealing with finances And uh, Where money is concerned There have been a lot of Sometimes abuse in the body of Christ Or extremes People have gone to one end of the ditch or one end of the uh, of the road where money is concerned and so we want to study Second Corinthians chapter 8 we want to look at it verse by verse on the subject of giving so I'll provide a context well let's read from verse 1 and we'll stop at verse 6 because we're going to be taking it gradually It says, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia that in a great ordeal of affliction their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor. Of participation in the support of the saints, and this not as we had expected, but the first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. Now, what's Paul talking about? First of all, when we go to Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, we find out uh, the call of Paul to Macedonia. Right? That was when he had the vision in Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. Paul had the vision to go to Macedonia. Alright? So, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So, uh, Paul had this vision and this was the beginning of his engagement um, in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia, the, the Macedonia was part of the Northern Greece kingdom. Okay, so the, the, the northern kingdom of Greece, the northern region of Greece in those days was called Macedonia, and then the southern region was called Achaia or Acha, Achaia. Now, when Paul talks about giving, the context is very simple. In Second Corinthians chapter 8, he was uh, using the Macedonian Christians as an example. Of scriptural giving. Now let's start from verse one. It says, "Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia." Now, when Paul said, "We want to make known to you the grace of God," essentially he was talking about their response. ...to the message of the gospel. Because why does he talk about grace here? You see, nothing we do in and for the gospel... ...is outside of the grace of God. And so when we see the way they gave... ...and you would, I mean... ...when we we go down and start talking about the way they gave... ...you would realize that it must be grace. When we see the way they responded to the gospel by giving... It's so that there was a work of grace in their life. You see, one of the things we must understand is that we can literally not do anything or we cannot be anything in the house of God doing things for the Father without His grace. Praise God. We must always be conscious. So Paul starts... Uh, in Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 now When he starts talking about The Macedonian Christians The first thing he mentions Or the first thing he recognizes That is at work in their life Is what? The grace of God Everybody say the grace of God The grace of God So Paul identifies That there is a grace At work In the life Of the Macedonian Christians Now, he he now said, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. So, when he said the churches of Macedonia, he was referring to three regions here. He was referring to the church in Philippi. He was referring to the church in Thessalonica. And he was referring to the church in Berea. So, he wasn't just referring to one church. That's why the word plural, that's why he's using the word churches there. You know, it wasn't just one local congregation. Okay? Are you here? Okay, he was referring to, he says, the churches of Macedonia. So, he was referring to several local congregations in the region of Macedonia. So, this, this would be, uh, be made up of the church in Thessalonica, the church in Philippi, and the church in Berea. So, why did Paul write about... Uh, the Macedonian Christians. Why? Why was he using the Macedonian Christians as an example to the church in Corinth? Remember, uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, so he was writing later to the Corinthians church. Okay, and he uses uh, the churches in Macedonia as an example to the Corinthian church. So he wasn't necessarily shaming the Corinthian church but rather he was using another church as an example to them so he was writing to the Corinthians and then he was using the churches of Macedonia as an example to the Corinthian church so why was Paul doing this because the churches of Macedonia had uh, come together to contribute to the church in Jerusalem, to the saints in Jerusalem. Because they were going through uh, poverty. Okay? So, so things were going on in Jerusalem, persecution by the Roman government and all of that. And so the Macedonian Christians got themselves together and said, hey, we want to give, we want to uh, contribute to uh, the saints there in Jerusalem. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 4. Now, concerning the collection for the saints. So you see that this collection essentially is going towards the saints. Okay. Now, concerning the collection for the saints... As I have directed the churches of Galatia So do you also Now uh, Paul had talked about the churches When he was ministering And had uh, recommended That they make a collection It's like we're talking about This month we are going to have uh, The hands for love uh, Ministry To people And I gave an order as a pastor of the church And say, hey guys I want us to, to have a collection. Okay? I want us to have a collection so we can give to hands of love. Lord. So it's the same thing. Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints. Collection for the saints. So the purpose of this collection was to give it to the saints. As I directed the churches of Galatia. So that means, Paul had directed the church in Galatia to also be part of the collection. So do you also Now who was he writing to here He was writing to the Corinthians Are you following this So now understand Understand why Paul Was using the Macedonians As an example To the Corinthians Because in 1 Corinthians Chapter 16 He had instructed them That a collection should be made For the saints And this was 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 The guys were not still Up and doing And so Paul had to Let's read on On the first day of each every week Each one of you Is to put aside And save As he may prosper Or as the Lord had prospered him so that no collections be made when I come. Paul is saying, you know what? I'm going to travel to the region of Corinth. We need to take some money and minister to the saints who are going through persecution and the poor saints in Jerusalem and all of that. I want you guys to do a collection so that it's not when I come that we will be having that collection. You know, how many of you know sometimes in church, that's what we do. We always make giving uh, like... Instant. We've got to take the money now. But Paul set a precedent for us here. He says, I want you to do something. On the first day of every week, put aside something and save. So that when I come, that's not when you're trying to, oh, what am I going to give? What am I going to give? He says, no, don't do that. That means, listen carefully to what I'm saying, Christian giving can be planned giving. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The, the normal procedure for a believer who is given you can plan your giving. You don't have to... It's not every time you give out of the emergency. Now, can you be led of the Lord in some instance outside of your plan? 100% yes. But here yeah, we find a pattern... Where Paul says, I want you guys concerning this, it's like in January we announced and we said, in March we are going to minister to hands of love. Now, if you are following the apostolic pattern, what should you do? Every month, let's say somebody decides to set aside 5,000 every month in January, in February, and then in March, how much would you have given to the hands of love if you decide to give this month? How much? Fifteen thousand, But that 15,000 probably didn't come out of you once. And that's what Paul was trying to say. Paul was saying, listen. On the first day of every month, put something aside. Now, a Christian... Listen carefully to what I'm saying. A Christian who wants to be a generous giver must learn the habit of putting aside something that you want to give. You have to set it aside, Paul says. You have to set it aside. Oh... Uh, we are going to have a camp meeting in six months time and I want to give towards that camp meeting. What do I do? I start setting something aside. So that when the day for that need comes or when the day for that ministry comes, I am not in a hurry to get something. You know, any giving you hurriedly do, you probably would not be able to give to your ability. Are you here? So he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints as I have directed the churches of Galatia, so do do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So Paul says, listen, I'm not trying to have anything to do with this gift. After you have collected your gift, whoever you approve among you, um, I, would, um, I would send someone, okay, with that person and a later, and they would carry the gift to the saints in Jerusalem. You, you realize that at this time, this was not when you could just do transfer whatever they they collected had to be physically carried there. Okay. Now he says, but but," verse 3 tells us about accountability and transparency in handling uh, uh, where finances are concerned. We'll we'll talk about that as we go further. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I'll come to you after I go through Macedonia. For I am going through Macedonia. And perhaps... I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. Okay? So, uh, you understand why Paul is talking about all of these churches in a, in a later, because his travel routes included that either he was going to Corinth and then he will pass through Macedonia. So, uh, what he wanted to do on his way to Jerusalem was when he was traveling through Corinth, he would take whatever the saints there have contributed. All right, And then, as he's going through Macedonia, he takes whatever the saints have contributed and as he's going to Galatia, he, he takes whatever the saints have contributed. So, as the apostle over these churches and the person who had a spiritual oversight over these churches, he gave them a, a spiritual instruction that we have to collect and receive something so we can minister to the saints and he was giving them and I want you to take your time to do this so it's not when I arrive that you are hurriedly saying to say oh what am I going to give, oh what am I going to give no, you should have laid this up then for the sake of accountability if there is anyone among you that you approve, they can travel with me to ensure that these gifts are delivered to the saints uh, in Jerusalem, are we clear on that? Okay, another scripture Romans chapter chapter 15 and verse 26 Romans chapter 15 and verse 26 Now when you take time to study the scriptures uh, These things will tie up. Romans chapter 15 and verse 26 This month we are going to Be looking at finances from different angles uh, Receiving instructions from the word of the Lord And uh, before we start I just want to Put up a disclaimer. This is not about trying to urge you to give more. Praise God. But like Paul said. Uh, I will not fail to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And, I, and I, let me tell you this. Um, when you are taught the word of God. Your response to that word is between you and God. That's it. Or When, when you are being taught the word of God. You, it's between you and God essentially. And so... Uh, as the instructions concerning finances are coming out, please just note that this has nothing to do with uh, a desire to to get something from you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so we, we are in Romans chapter what now? Chapter fifteen and verse what? And verse twenty six. Now uh, let's let's let's. Can we start reading from verse 24 twenty four? Let's start reading from verse twenty four. It says. Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in person and to be helped on my way there by you. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to talk about it, I think two Sundays from now, when I teach on uh, not muzzling the ox, Paul says. You realize that every time Paul talks about his travels, he uses the word, when I come your way, I, I want to be helped, probably to go to the next destination. Or uh, to help me w- in any way you can. Uh, th- because the, the saints of God ought to factor the apostolic assignments of the local house or the pastor in their planning as it is. And so, and this is not about funding a man, this is getting behind the vision. And so Paul was doing all of this itinerary traveling, and when he goes to a place and he spends a couple of time to teach and to do that, the saints there, praise God, would contribute something to help him get to the next place. And that is why, in 3 John, uh, Paul, uh, John was writing. It wasn't only Paul who had this perspective. John was writing. And he says, Go to Third John. We'll come back. Go to Third John. Let me show you something here. Go to Third John and go to verse verse 5. Go to Third John 5. Third John is just one chapter. Go to verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren. And especially when they are strangers And they have testified To your law before the church You will do well Look at this You will do well To send them on their way In a manner worthy of God It says when you are sending these people on their way Do it in a manner worthy of God For they went out for the sake of the name What name is that? the name of Jesus, or the gospel. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So, they went to preach to the Gentiles, and they didn't accept anything from the Gentiles, because they were introducing the Gentiles to the gospel. Therefore, we ought to support such men, so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Are you following this now? Now, this is in Paul writing, This isn't Paul writing. This is John writing to the saints. That when these people come and they go and preach. I mean it's like uh, in this house we are a local church with a global vision. I mean we go to some nations And we pay everything we have to go go there And minister to them Some nations we go to minister I remember when we went to Burundi To have a meeting We we paid for our own accommodation Just to be able to minister the word to them We could not go there to receive from them Now but somebody has to be responsible for that cost That's what he was saying here Okay Now read on it says uh, Now I wrote something to the church but the ultra who loves to be first among them Does not accept what we say For this reason, if I come I'll call attention to his deeds which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words And not satisfied with this, He himself does not receive the brethren either And he forbids those who desire to do so And puts them out of the church So Demetrius says, "Oh, no, you can't do that he, he did not want that pattern to continue And Paul says, when I come I'm going to uh, call attention to his deeds because there are people that stop resources from coming into the church for apostolic assignment and you have people like that who always have a problem when resources have been advanced for the purposes of the kingdom and Deltrephos was one of them he, he, he wasn't actively doing that But at the same time, he was discouraging people who wanted to do that. I'll tell you this. Never let anyone discourage you from partnering and being a part of a kingdom vision. Glory to God. Now, Romans chapter 16? 15, right? Romans 15. Okay. Let's let's look at this. Thank you, Lord. Verse 24. Wherever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I've first enjoyed your company for a while. (laughs) But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints. Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. Remember, I told you at the beginning that Macedonia was the northern region of Greece and Asia was the southern region of Greece. Now, in Romans 1626 26, it says, For Macedonia and Asia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So you see right here, now listen carefully to this now, Paul is writing to the Romans and he is referencing what the Macedonian saints and the saints in Asia, and then are going to do towards the saints in Jerusalem, the poor saints in Jerusalem. So uh, I'm trying to give you a background, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So that's why this later came. Uh, this is something that was big on the heart of Paul. He, he wanted the churches... To contribute together And be of a blessing to the poor saints in Jerusalem Because at that time The saints in Jerusalem Were under severe poverty They were under severe persecution Uh, In fact, history has it That the saints in Jerusalem Were taxed twice They were taxed by the Roman government And then they were taxed by the Jewish uh, By the Jewish uh, government and the Jewish council And they were under severe persecution Because at that time Christianity was rising up, and the Roman government wanted to silence Christianity, wanted to make sure uh, that the, this Christian religion, these people following the name of Jesus, do not grow. So there was severe persecution in Jerusalem and, and all kinds of stuff that happened that caused some of the saints to be poor. And Paul, now, as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, instructs the churches, he has oversight over, and leadership over, and say, hey guys, I need us to contribute. But Paul does not start this in the flesh. He recognizes that the response of people to giving has to be by the grace of God. You know, many times pastors and leaders and, and church leaders try to manipulate people into giving. They try to force people into giving. I like what Brother Copeland said, and that's being being a life motor for me. If faith cannot get it in and God cannot get it to me, then don't worry about it. You don't have to be manipulative. You don't have to be scheming. You don't have to look for ways to get money from people. Glory to God. If God can't get the need met, throw it away. Look at this. It says um, for Macedonia and Asia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So there were poor people in the saints in the church in Jerusalem. You know some people, you know, they go, ah, he said in those days, people sold what they have. Even the rich people, they sold what they have. And then they brought everything and everybody did not. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was an experience that happened. It wasn't something that was consistent over the years. Because if it was consistent over the years, we would not have a record in the Bible that there were poor people in Jerusalem. The church helped each other. But we don't try... And you've you got to pay attention to this. We don't try to make the rich feel guilty for having wealth. Because there's a way we try to use our poverty... And push it in the face of a wealthy person To look like, listen If you really care about me You will share whatever you have equal How many of you know what I'm talking about? So you you must recognize That there were poor saints in Jerusalem And Jesus himself said The poor you would always have among you So poverty is is a constant You just have to Learn the truth of God's word and, And overcome it Okay, so he uh, says Yes, they, are, they were pleased To do so they, 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 they did it willingly People have to be pleased To give It has to be uh, from their hearts There is nothing like Receiving an offering from someone Oh, who really wants to bless you. Hmm? Have you Have you ever Some of you growing up Have you ever begged your younger sister for biscuits hmm? Or no younger sister Somebody close Say, can I have this Say no. Can I have? No. Say, ah, I will not allow you to watch cartoon. Say, can I have? No. Say when rain falls, I will cover you. You will not. And then you know what happens? You either start giving empty promises or start threatening. Are you know what I'm saying? Okay, anytime you want to watch cartoon again, I will remove the plug. And then the person says, oh yeah, take, take, take. You know that's not pleasing. Is that pleasing? And that, you know sometimes that's what we do in church. How many of you know? Sometimes that's what we do in church. If you give today, God will open heaven. God, in fact, your giving will make God to stand up. <laughs> you know, and when that doesn't work, say if you don't give, and, and and the gospel does not go forward, God will judge you. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, God, take if, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to judge, oh yeah, take. You know, that's not New Testament giving. That's a, and that's why people are complaining about tithe. I'm going to teach you something on Sunday. Tithing from a place of victory. All right. If I don't tithe, will God cost me? If it is because of cost or no costs, keep your money. I'm going to teach on that on Sunday. Tithing from a place of victory. No giving should be a burden to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a minister of the gospel, I've made it a priority, and in my life, and God is my witness, I have never forced anyone, I'll never compel anyone to give. And I'll say it all the time. I don't say it out of pride or anything. If the finances for the work does not come, it's a sign to tell us that, yeah, boy, your season is over, go do something else. And that's the truth. When the brook dries up, God will show another way. If God doesn't show another way, then it's time to take me home. And it's simple, it's not, there are no hard and fast rules. About this thing. You know, sometimes in an, in an attempt to become a very popular minister, you try to generate money and grow the ministry through money, not through the grace of God. I've seen people uh, struggle to go on television. Struggle, struggle to go on television. <laughs> I remember a couple of months ago we we're, were on television you know, we're still on TV, but then we, we cut down some of our slots, and I was telling our partner who was, who was paying for that, I said, I think we should get off TV and focus on something else. He says, no, let's not go off totally. Let's keep some program. Let's keep, that's what it is. It's the person trying to keep you there in that sense. It's not you trying to keep yourself there. And I say, ah, oh, pastor, he said, no, try something. Even try, if you cannot pay once, pay once more, we must stay there. Don't do that. Don't do that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? In ministry, there are time, there there are seasons. There are certain seasons the Lord will allow you to do certain things, and certain seasons the Lord will want you to change your direction. Praise God! Let's get here. It says, "And they are indebted to them." There's a spiritual principle here. It says, "For if the gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things." I'll talk about this when I talk about not muzzling the ox. You know, Paul didn't just talk about this in respect to pastors and leaders. He says, listen, if the Gentiles receive the gospel through the church in Jerusalem, he says, then they owe them their material supports. Hallelujah. And and this is something Christians need to understand. That where you are being fed spiritually, the, the person who is teaching you the word of God, it, 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 you see, you, you are indebted to that person materially. The scripture says it. The scripture says it. Now, I know, like I said, some pastors have taken these and made everyone to be like, you owe me. You know, Paul says, we know our rights. He says, but for the sake of the gospel, we will not exercise our rights. You know what Paul said here? He says, if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things... If they have shared in the gospel, it says, listen, they are indebted to minister to them in what? Their material things. Why do we give to our local church? Our local church ministers to us spiritual things. We are indebted to the local church, material things. Why do we minister to ministers of the gospel? Pastors, they are, they are, we have shared in their spiritual things. We'll talk about that. We want to talk about not Muslim the ox, but we just want to go through here. So you see why, or the motivation... Uh back which the given in Second Corinthians chapter 8. The premise, the foundation by which 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 um, was written. So let's go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So I hope you have all the perspective now. Why they were given, how they were giving what they were given for. Do you understand that? So what were they given for? To the saints, not just the saints, which specific saints were they given for? The poor saints were in Jerusalem, how were they to give or what, how were they to get their offerings ready? They were to, not, not just set aside, they were to set aside and save. You, you have to pay attention to details. So it's not like you set aside and later you decide to, to put it aside inside your stomach. No. You set aside and you save for that purpose. That means their giving was deliberate. Everybody say their giving? Was deliberate. Now, I... I, I are we, are we okay with that? Alright. So, we go back to Second Corinthians chapter 8. Now, what I want you to do when you go back home today, read the whole chapter. Okay. Every Wednesday we'll be dealing with it, verse by verse. So, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, we're in verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. Verse 2. That in a great ordeal of affliction. The word affliction there in the Greek is thlipsis T-H-I-L-I-P-S-I-S. It's used 41 times in the New Testament. I'm going to explain to you. The, the great ordeal of affliction. Their abundance of joy Paul is contrasting something here He says these guys have a deal A deal A greater deal of affliction And then They've got an abundance of joy Out of their deep poverty They overflow In the wealth of liberty You know what This must be The grace of God To see a poor man who has joy It's got to be grace You think so? Do you think so? You don't think so? (laughs) If you are in deep affliction Do you think you will have abundance of joy? Come on church If you are in deep affliction Do you think you will have abundance of joy? So, if someone is in deep affliction and has abundance of joy, what do you think is at work in his life? The grace of what? Of God. Now, if you are in deep affliction, do you think. Now, now, no. If you are in deep poverty, do you think you will overflow in liberality? <laughs> you see that laughter, you laughed. You laughed at that. This Bible is on its own. The the poverty is not just poverty. It's a deep one. You understand that? The guy said, Paul says, these people are in deep poverty. But they overflow in the liberality of their wealth. And this has to be the grace of God. You see, kingdom generosity must be out of the outflow of God's grace. You see, this thing about Stressing people to give. Huh? (laughs) If the grace of God does not move a man, forget it. Allow the grace of God to influence people to give. In ministering to you. You've got to rely on the grace of God. That's one part. You have to respond to the grace of God. Because certain times in your own life, Things might be tough for you and the Lord is speaking to you about giving, about sowing, about releasing. It's like the the widow of Zarephath. She had her last meal. But the scripture tells us that the Lord had commanded her to give to to the prophets. The Lord had commanded her to give to the prophet. That can only be the grace of God. And that's why sometimes... It is not proper for us to teach those things as, in, as it were, probably like principles in that sense. Because sometimes people act on these principles without the grace of God at work in their life. And when the results do not come, they are amazed. Because the Lord spoke to Elijah and the Lord spoke to who? To the widow. So the Lord didn't just speak to only the man of God. So if the Lord speaks to me about you given sacrificially, the grace of God also has to be at work in your life, speaking to you. So when we release that together, come on, our faith, our mutual faith Paul says, releases the harvest. Praise God. Now, the word, let's, let's look at, let's do a word study on that. Thank you Lord. The word Affliction. It's, it's the word philipsis, like I said. It means to crush, to press together. Anguish. Burden. It, it is not a light trouble. It wasn't, it wasn't a light trouble. Uh, in those days, in, in, in England, if someone is, is uh, guilty of an offense, This is the concept of telepsis. They would lay you down and put a heavy uh, substance on you, like a heavy metal or a heavy box to crush you to death. That's the the idea of telepsis. They were crushed. They were in that kind of deep, poor, affliction, persecution. But out of that... The grace of God at work in their heart responded in their liberality. Now, let's look at something. Let's let's look at, you know, we talked about some of these churches he mentioned at the churches in Thessalonians, uh, in Thessalonians right? When we talk about the geography of, of when he says the churches of Macedonia, we said there were churches in Philippi, Thessalonians, and Berea. Now let's look at the, some, some things that were written about the churches in Thessalonica. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6 You also He was writing to the saints in Thessalonians He says you also Became imitators of us And of the Lord Having received the word In much tribulation With the joy of the Holy Ghost How did they receive the word? In much tribulation But what, what was the source of joy? The Holy Ghost Hallelujah. Now go to First Thessalonians 2.14. For you, brethren, have become, become imitators of the churches of God in Christ that are in Judea. Because you are imitating them. For you also endure the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did for the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and throw us out They are not pleasing to God But hostile to all men So when these guys in Macedonia The guys in Thessalonia, When they received the word They didn't receive the word in the comfort of An air conditioned building You know live streaming <laughs> And all of this They received the word in much persecution And much tribulation The Bible says The, the, the people that were amongst them When they received the word Are hostile and that's not the time you want to talk of generosity. They received the word amidst great tribulation, amidst great hostility. You know, today, we must, we must know that we are a privileged generation to receive the word without persecution. Now look at what it says. So, the word Philippe is a strong term which does not refer to minor inconveniences, but to real hardship. Medical little was used for the pulse or pressure. It's like the pressing together of grapes, crushing grapes, so that the grape vine will come out, or the grape wine will come out. So when he says that out of their deep affliction, he was talking about people who gave as they were pressed, as they were burdened. This was, and that's why he, he, he identifies the grace of God in their life at first. That's why he identifies the grace of God in their life at first. The word thalipsis is used 45 times in the New Testament. It is translated 14 times as affliction, inflicting on a person something that is hard to bear. It's translated six times as affliction. It's translated one time as anguish. It's translated twice as distress, the state of being in a great trouble. Is translated one time as persecution, and this persecution is a harassment in a manner designed to injure, to grieve, or to afflict. So this is persecution with an intention to cause grief. So these guys, they, I'm trying to tell you that they didn't give with any iota of comfort. Are you hearing this? And that's why Paul had to use them as an example to the Corinthian church. He said, you know what those churches are going through? See what they are going through. And they are collected. You guys, you're not going through anything. And you're just laid back. Sometimes it's the people who don't have more that are generous to the kingdom. Hmm? Out of their little. You remember that? Let's, Let's read a story about that. Mark 12. You know, this is verse by verse study. So any verse we stop, we we'll stop today and continue. If it takes us the whole next two months to go through this, we'll finish it. Mark chapter 12. I want you to, what I want to do is, I want to patiently teach this Second Corinthians chapter 8 so that it's engraved in your spirit. Once you know Second Corinthians chapter 8 all over your head, you can just tell, oh wow, and put the story. Where does I say it should turn to? Mark chapter what? 12, verse what? Did I give you the verse? And you don't know the verse? The widow's might. Find the verse. All of you always say, Ah, please manage my widow's might. Don't ever say that statement again. Number one, you're not a widow. (laughs) I'm just joking. But you know, people say manage my widow's might when they give you something small. That's a wrong interpretation of that that scripture. If you say, Oh, Pastor, this is my widow's might, what you are saying is that you have emptied your whole life savings in my hand. Never refer to the offering you have in your hand as your widow's mite. That's not your widow's mite. You're giving out of your surplus. That's a wrong... You are trying to associate with this woman when you are not in her class. You're not in the same WhatsApp group. Hmm? <laughs> 21st century Christians left the group. <laughs> Look at this. Um, Mark chapter verse 41 And he sat down opposite the treasury Jesus sat down opposite the offering box. You know, imagine today people want to give, and I pick a chair, and I said, "Come and give you. Say, Pastor, what are you doing there? You like money too much. <laughs> Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. Jesus was, a, was, a, was an exciting man. I would not say Jesus was a funny man, but I, I, I he's exciting. He sat down opposite the treasury and began observing how people were putting money into the treasury. Look at what Jesus was doing. Holy Jesus. Was checking their lot. It's like pam, pam. It says, hold on, hold on. I check two five. Okay. <laughs> and then he says, And many rich people were putting in large sums. Oh, thank God for rich people who give large sums. Large sums are needed. Are you hearing this? Never think in your life something is too big for the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, you know, some of you, if some of us, let me not use you, some of us, if, if we come now, and you say, let's give offering, and you're counting, and you count 10,000, and you want to put it in the offering box. You know, many things will run to your mind. Especially, if you're a woman, ah, that is four laps of chicken. Seven heads of goats. Woo, that's a pot of soup. <laughs> that's the devil talking. You know, money looks big in church. Hmm? You know, money looks big in church, very big. You know how I know that money looks big in church. You know, there are people who would leave church right now and go home on their way home, and they will buy suya to eat, hmm? one thousand naira. How many of you think it's possible? Huh? But you know, sometimes that that same person, if he wants to give offering in church. And he brings it. Up. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God now we sing where we are collecting off, we Say, thank God the song is still going on. And looks at it and it's one thousand. Then he puts his hand back, say, Hold on. <laughs> and then checks and see two hundred now Come on, tell me, in your honest opinion, what do you think that person is going to give? Yeah, you guys are very honest. But you know when you stand before that suya man and you bring 200 naira, you bring 1,000 naira, something will tell you 200 naira suya will not be enough. Things are expensive. (laughs) How many of you come on (laughs) now? How many of you know what I'm saying is true? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because listen to this, because when you go to spend for yourself, the devil doesn't have a problem with that. Are you hearing this? Even if you are spending for your girlfriend, you go, there are many phones. Say, this one is iPhone. Ah, no, 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 no. no. This black baby is too hot for this kind of phone. And he say, let's buy phone for Pastor. Say, why? Why must it be Samsung? Why? And there are poor people everywhere. You know, what, you know what's happening right there? Mammon and God speaking. I've got to deal with this all the time. Because the fallen man does not have a problem with self. And I'm not saying, you've got to hear my heart, the whole of this month, please hear my heart. You know, I don't teach on money all the time. So I'm taking a special disclaimer. This month, we will deal with this money talk. So after this, we'll forget about it again. See, sometimes where the Lord leads us. But you know this thing. Is every time you've got to spend for yourself, there isn't a problem. With the money. But every time you're ministering to someone else. Or you're giving. Then that thing starts rising. So you got to deal with that. But then the true large sum. So these guys were givers. I'm glad about the large sum. The large sum helps a lot. 32. A poor widow. A poor widow. So the woman was poor. And she was a widow. No husband. Came and put in two small copper coins. She didn't put in two copper coins. She put in two small copper coins. You know, when I read the Bible, I pay attention to these things. A poor widow with two copper coins, which amounted to a cent. Look at the calculation. So she gave a cent. So it's like saying we have an offering, and somebody gave a hundred thousand, and somebody gave one million, and somebody gave three hundred thousand, and somebody gave six million, and somebody gave forty five thousand dollars. And then a widow came, and she gave one thousand air. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Who is the pastor going to give an award? Huh? Do you realize that sometimes in the body of Christ we have led people wrongly because we rewarded the quantity and not the sacrifice? You know, somebody can give you 6 million the guy has 300 million. In his mind, he has even forgotten how much he gave you. And here you are. Wow! We are going to celebrate the highest and the best giver of the universe. And we give him an award. How much did he give? He gave 6 million. And, uh, and someone thinks oh God we, we want to build I can't I can only afford a bag of cement and he comes in with a bag of cement and rides in and comes in and drops his bag of cement and say oh pastor somebody broke the bag of cement say bag of cement say, hey, does he think we are playing yes. here <laughs> does not think we are playing he said, where did he drop it? He said, by the gate. You didn't allow him to yeah, We're well, not talking here. We have a big vision. And heaven looks at that man and says, that's the greater giver. And the earth celebrates this man and says, this is the biggest giver. Be careful not to celebrate what earth is celebrating and heaven is despising. Are we against giving big sums? Realize that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how we rate giving. So, look at what it says. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And let me say something there. I mean, it's like today we're just going to deal with only verse just this affliction. Next Wednesday we continue. You, rem- you see something. Never despise your seed because of what others are giving. You know, sometimes we say, "Let's partner, let's partner with the gospel." And someone said, "Pastor, it's only one thousand every month. I have get it in, get it in. It's part of it." You know, one day I was talking to someone, and, and I said, uh, and, "And the person talking to me about partnership," and says, "I really like to partner, but I don't have. I, I just have a thousand naira every month to partner." We're talking about uh, uh, ministry partnership, and I just gave a simple example. I said, "If they give one, if they give three hundred thousand, and you give 1000 Right? Or let me use a small figure. If the partnership for the month is ten thousand, and you give one thousand, I ask, how much will the ministry have at the end of the month? <laughs> this is simple math. If everybody gives ten thousand and you add one thousand, how much are we going to have at the end? Eleven thousand. If everybody gives ten thousand and you don't give your one thousand, how much are we going to? 10,000. Do you think we can do more with 11,000 than 10,000? So you don't deny the kingdom the opportunity of that extra 1,000. Do you realize that if we're going to buy a microphone for 11,000 and we have 10,000 and we go to the microphone shop, they would likely not sell it to us? But if you give that extra 1,000 and we walk to the microphone shop and it's 11,000, how many of you know that, that your extra 1,000 actually got, the, the, got us in to get that microphone? If this woman had said, "Oh, look at the large sums people are giving. Look at how much people are giving. Oh God, dear God, I don't have anything to give. Let me keep my two cents." We won't be reading about her today. How many times have we kept our one cent and we've denied Jesus the opportunity of using us as an examples of great givers? I remember one time I went for a meeting, and uh, oh my God, Pastor Pastor Afolabi, uh, he came from Uniben. He preached. I cannot forget that meeting. I had these. Uh, native, you one native? My, my mother gave to me, you know, you know, somehow in life you just have one native. That native, you don't need to wash it because it does not go out all the time, goes hmm? out just once, <laughs> comes back. And I dressed for that meeting, I had shoes, and I went for that meeting. The guy taught, he taught. I didn't have an offering, I was in school there. I trekked for that to that meeting. Everybody was giving. I, I'm like, God, what can I give? I, I kept feeling, Give your shoes, give your shoes. I'm like, God, how can I go home? I felt that so strongly. I took my shoes, went forward, and gave it. I mean, (laughs) when I was going home that day after the meeting, I'll be walking this way. People will see me and cross to the other side. Because here here was a fully dressed man with Bible, fully dressed with native, no shoes. And uh, you know, there's a way you would dress, and if you don't, you, you are walking, and then you are not walking with confidence as if you have shoes. You know, you know how you are bouncing like they are shoes. And then somebody is wondering, like, Ah, hey, hey, who has done this one? <laughs> <laughs> and God forgive you if you are not speaking in tongues. <laughs> he hey. Where they say, don't read Bible, they will not hear. Don't read, don't read. This book will kill you. You know, but... But what am I saying? Why am I saying that example? Never let anyone, never let shame of what you have. You see, oh, when it's time to give, plug in. Get in your seed. And the reason, we, we, we find it okay to give change every time in church because that's how we grew up. Every time they gave you money for offerings, they, they, you went to look for change immediately. Even if you, you some of you are laughing. You will climb the back, say stop, 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 stop Wait for <laughs> The man who is selling this, i if do you have change You're always thinking, you're always thinking So every time they mention offering time Your brain just say change time, change time Change time And then you've done that over 15 years <laughs> and that's why you see when some people want to pay their tithe, it's eleven thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine naira fifty kobo. Say least fifty kobo. by the time the bank charges, if I transfer back, the deduct twenty-five naira. So what I will do, I remove twenty-five naira so that when the bank, it will now balance the tithe. You know, you see people who gave God tithe and they say they are owing God. Say tithe is ten thousand. Say God, this month, you know the way things are, <laughs> the area has gone up. I will pay five, balance five next month. <laughs> Okay, a poor widow came and put in a two copper coins. Next verse. Next verse. Calling his disciples, he said to them, truly, when he uses the word truly, it's like saying, verily, verily, I say to you, this poor widow put in More than all the contributors to the treasury. How can you say that, Jesus? How can you say that? Jesus called his disciples and said, This poor widow put in more, more, more than all the contributors. Verse 44. Look at why Jesus said that. It says, for they all put him out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty. eh, Some people are giving out of surplus. Some others are giving out of poverty. So, it wasn't just the Macedonian Christians who had done that. Someone, some poor old widow, in the days of Jesus, had exemplified this. Why? Because when you truly hear the gospel, when you truly value the gospel, giving will be a tin of joy. Glory to God. Giving will be a tin of joy. You don't need to promise heaven and earth. You don't need to promise. No, no, we're talking about the motive for giving. You don't just need to give because God is going to give you a hundred for we'll return back. No. There is there is a motivation. Oh God, let this truth go forth. When you give to the ministers of the gospel and you give to apostolic ministry, you're saying Oh God, dear God, let me be able to get this message out. Let more people hear this. This is the truth that needs to liberate the world. I, I want more people to get the materials. I want more people. I want us to get on air. I want these, I want people to get this word. And if you're giving to the poor, uh, as they were contributing to the saints in Jerusalem, we'll talk about that, you say oh dear God, this is my brother. I want to help my brother to find his fit. I want to help my brother to have some clothes and some food. Your primary motivation for giving in the New Testament has to be love. The love of the gospel and the love of the saints. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. So he said for they all put in out of their surplus but she out of her poverty. Look at this. Put in. All she owned. And all she had to live on. What faith. What faith. She didn't just put in. All she owned. She put in. All she had to live on. That is widow's might You realize what you have been given Has not been widow's might right Is it clear What's widow's might Come on define widow's might From Mark chapter 12 verse 44 What is widow's might No not all she has We are not talking about the widow We are talking about your own widow's might Now what will be your own widow's might All you have and all you need to live on Have you ever given that You see, that's how sometimes we throw words around, scriptural words around, without proper understanding. This woman exemplified the same grace at work in the Macedonian Christians. Out of her poverty, she gave. She gave. And you you must realize something. This woman did not give because something was promised to her. Nobody said, if you give your widow's mind in 24 hours, God is going to turn your life around. They didn't give them that promise. Do you realize that uh, it is only sometimes in our days today we give all kinds of promises to people when they want to give. And the, the apostles never did that. Jesus never did that. And people gave. Oh man, people gave to the ministry of Jesus. We'll talk about that this month. People gave to the ministry of Jesus. Substance. They didn't even just give. You realize that the only officer that Jesus had in his ministry was an accountant? You realize that? What do you think Judas was doing? You know, most of you just remember Judas was selling Jesus. But you know, he actually had the money bag. Judas was the accountant of the team. There was no secretary, there was no Piero, but Jesus had an accountant. What was he accounting for? The money people were giving him and blessing him with. You know, If I have time this morning, I'm going to deal with that You know, People say Jesus was poor on the earth Was Jesus really poor? The examining scripture, was he really poor? But at the same time Jesus was not going about everywhere Talking about money or what he had Or boasting about what he had You know, someone said the other day Well, if Jesus was in this day He will not use this You know, Jesus was walking and he was using And he didn't even know anything You know, people sometimes just, they are very funny you know, a preacher was saying that and he was trying to castigate prosperity. There are extremes to that but he was trying to castigate prosperity. So he was saying that. And uh, I, I, I was in that meeting. So when I left, I told my friend. I said, some things are not logical. Was Jesus using a microphone? He said, no. So why is he using a microphone? Since you want us to go back to the way Jesus go by the seashore and shout. Blessed are the peacemakers. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. So you can be like Jesus, hundred percent. These things, listen carefully to this are tools to help the work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They, see, don't see kingdom things as oh, this is expensive. Oh, this is no. They are just tools to get the message out. See that way. See that way. Even in your own life. For instance, if, if, if you're blessed with a car, don't just say as a kingdom citizen, don't just say like, nah, I have a good car to show up. No. Say that, yeah, I have a good car, I can get to church on time, I can get people in church. You know, see everything you have in this world as what? As a tool for advancing the kingdom of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. We'll continue from here next to Wednesday. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, Father. We, we thank you for the examples Oh, Jesus, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Father. We thank you for the examples that you have shown us from the scriptures. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Oh, we praise your name for the, the churches in Macedonia, the widow that, that exemplifies for us something strong and powerful and potent. We ask, oh God, that you would... That same grace will be at work in us. And I pray for everyone today. That the hand of the Lord will be upon you. To bless and to increase you. In Jesus mighty name we pray.